0: Hello, I'm Ben Eagle, a podcaster, journalist, and rural communications consultant, and welcome to Rural Business Focus. This is the podcast for rural businesses and those looking to start a business in the countryside. Episodes are released each Tuesday to inspire and support you to be your very best, both personally and for your business. Please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. And if you think this episode will help someone you know, forward it on to them. It's the only way the show grows by you sharing it. So thank you for that. But now, Let's start today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Rural Business Focus. Now, do you know what a fractional CFO does? No, do, I'm guessing you probably don't. Well, today we're meeting one. Joey DeWitt is a former banker who now runs his own business, Perennial CFO, which provides all the services that a chief financial officer would provide to you with, but on a part time basis and Joey is focused on supporting agricultural businesses, which is really useful for this podcast. Um, so from financial health to cash flow and financial strategy, the CFO can be an important part of a business team, depending on the business and where you're at in your business journey. Joey has a family farming background himself in the Netherlands, but it has been numbers that has really driven him throughout his career. Joey, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for doing this. We've been talking about it for a little while, so it's good to be recording it finally. How's your week going? You've you've just been to Italy.
1: Yes, thank you, Ben. I'm very well. Um, yes, just came back from a, a short holiday to Italy, some time to relax, and now I'm feeling uh, nice and fresh again to to kickstart the start of my own business.
0: Yeah, it is important. It's important to take that time off. Uh, let's let's dive straight in and just give give the listeners a bit of an idea of. Your background, first of all, because you have this interesting mix between uh, the numbers, the banking side, uh, but also you have that agricultural um, family background as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So as you said, and as you can probably hear, I'm I'm Dutch. so I grew up in the Netherlands uh, and in a place that's pretty much as, as rural as it can get uh, in a yeah. family of tulip growers. Uh, so your listeners might be familiar uh, with our tulips because for some time we delivered to Tesco so if anyone ever bought some, some tulips here, they might have come from from my family. But then I guess my upbringing was sort of similar to a lot of people that grow up in the countryside. And that is that when you're, when you're there, you're kind of attracted to the city, to yeah. the shiny buildings, to the suits, to everything you see on TV. Um, and so while growing up was just all, all good, no complaints there, I was looking like, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay here? Do I want to go to the city? Uh, And I kind of just went through a couple of years of of figuring things out. So I I tried all sorts of different things. Uh, I worked in a a print shop for some time, Uh, worked in a retailer, worked for a startup, worked in for a private bank, uh, and all while trying to get my studies done. So I did my bachelor's in IT, and then I did my master's in finance. Uh, And sort of during that time, it was, like you said, always focused on the numbers, and always focused on on business, so I really had this entrepreneurial upbringing with my family, and just always trying new new things, trying new ideas, and just seeing where I I fit in and, and where my strengths really aligned with what is out there, and, and like the the opportunities that I could pursue. Um, and so at that time, when I was finishing my my masters in finance, uh, that's when I met my my now wife, uh, who is originally from uh, from London and she studied economics in Amsterdam. And so we, we graduated at the same time. And at that point in time, I was still uh, headstrong that I wanted to go into finance, into the banks, wear a nice suit and all of that, <laughs> all of all of these things. Um, and so that's when we decided to to go back to London together and start our careers there. Uh, and that's sort of how my background ties, both the, the rural and agricultural side and then the, the banking side together.
0: Fantastic, and and tell us a little bit about the business and and how you came towards the idea, I suppose, but why your why for why you took the leap, um, to go it alone.
1: Yeah, so I think this uh, to maybe take one quick step back to my time here in banking, because that's really what what led me to transition into now my own my own yeah. role. So when I moved to to London, I started out in the bank as a credit analyst. Uh, And this is really where I got sort of the confidence to go out on my own because as a credit analyst, which in short is the credit analyst, you really look at how to analyze a company, where are the risks? uh, And it sort of teaches you to, to understand what a healthy business looks like that the bank is comfortable lending money to. And then so during this time, my own family, they had some some uh, run-ins with their own bank, especially during COVID when things weren't going as smooth as as you'd like. Uh, and then at that point, they asked me now with my new experience and background in banking to like, hey, Joey, can you maybe look at our situation a little bit, see if we're yeah. doing anything wrong? Can you maybe help us here? Uh, and then when I started doing that, putting my my new experiences to use, that's really when I found that like, okay, there is there's a lot here. Uh, then i started speaking with other businesses uh, like my family and also here in the uk Uh, and that's sort of how it all came together where it's like okay i now learned a new skill set and i clearly see there is there is a need for this uh, and especially on a uh, part-time or fractional level yeah that's sort of how i entered the leap or like i got the confidence to take this this leap of faith and start my own my own business
0: yeah I, I I like the way that you put it actually as as a well, a fractional chief financial opposite because um, it's probably not a role that many unless you're unless you're a big business a lot of uh, agricultural businesses would think of but at the same yeah. time you can see uh, that practical application of that knowledge within the business.
1: Exactly. And I think you're kind of hitting the nail on the head there. What I'm experiencing now is when I'm speaking with a lot of the, the businesses, both here in the UK and in the Netherlands, what I hear back initially is like, oh, we already work with an advisor or a lot of businesses. They had some some bad experiences with advisors where they, they sort of were promised the world. But then in reality, what a lot of advisors do is more or less just send a report with their numbers. They maybe even do the bookkeeping and send them like the management reports. And that's sort of it. But the way most of these businesses are structured as well is they, they take on a lot of clients and sort of keep it surface level. And that's where I really think that this fractional CFO model stands out in a way where this model is not to take on 50 clients, but maybe just five or 10 clients and really be more involved and actually help realize the the advice or the 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 insights that i give and like help them do something with it as so i think that's where, where really the difference is and what makes this such an such an interesting model to build out in a way
0: yeah okay so in terms of what you're doing with your clients how you're working with your clients what is a fractional cfo what does perennial cfo do as a business and what services do you provide which i suppose all comes towards value how are you adding value to those businesses
1: exactly uh, yeah. a lot, a, is, a
0: lot in there sorry
1: there is yeah this this <laughs> that's a bigger question and the short answer is this is very much dependent on the business and their situation so you have businesses where their main issue is cash flow so for instance they're always worried about whether they can meet payroll next month they're not sure what investments to pursue and like if they have the money to do anything and so for them I would have a very different approach to a business that maybe has very stable cash flow so i'm working now with a with a salad grower and they have like they they've sales throughout the whole year cash flow is not really a problem but for them it's a problem more like how can we now take this forward because they've sort of been they've, they've been running themselves almost into the ground which i think is a very common common scenario for these rural businesses where they, whether it's in agriculture or maybe a restaurant or just a shop on the on the high street uh, and it's just like they just sort of do the same thing every day. They work hard, but it's never really taking taking off or or becoming something bigger than just themselves. And in a way, it's almost like, like a job. And so for that business, I'm now much more focused on the strategic side, which is also a key component of what a CFO does and sort of mm-hmm. looking at like, okay, these are all of our numbers. What are the opportunities you want to pursue and w- which makes sense, and like, what would this look like from a financial perspective? Like, would we need to get a new loan, or or would we? Uh, are there any other ways to finance this? Do we need to finance this externally or not? And so that's sort of the the different sides how this can can play out in reality. Uh, but that being said, I also have my own. I don't. I don't necessarily want to call it a system, but I have my own steps that I I run through. Uh, so I can I can go through that, and then maybe we can. Can dig out some of the, the points in here because I think okay, uh, this Chris. is really what I try to set up after my time in banking and working with my family and now the other businesses. I've, I try to sort of distill what I personally think is almost the 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 baseline or the requirements to to cover on the financial front for for any business really, and so. I I put this down to six levels just so it's a bit more digestible and and easy to to understand. All of this always starts with like a financial health check. So that's really where I put my my banker's hat back on. But I also approach from a CFO perspective to be even more forward looking and more involved. And this can cover anything from the financial processes like the bookkeeping, which is Uh, Might be interesting to go into a little bit more detail later because I found the bookkeeping is actually one of the key uh, key problems, even to say it like that, Uh, where that's sort of that is sort of the bottleneck that is stopping a lot of businesses from getting the insights to go to the next level. Um, And so that's all that's all where I like to start. I just want to make sure the foundation is there, all the processes are there, so you can take off and run a business that's more sustainable, that that lets you build. And so actually, when you start to grow you won't find that that all of these these processes that whenever set up properly are holding you back later on uh, and also just like different elements of your uh, your capital structure and your working capital and all of the financial terms I will check and make sure that okay the foundation is there then when that is sort of the the level one and the baseline and I also uh, maybe good to sort of as a quick plug I also do all these things on a one-off basis so like now I've, I've started doing a few of these financial health checks just as a standalone service. And so if, if anyone's interested in that, I'm more than happy to just have a chat and, and help them in that way. And it also like has a plan of action involved to, to sort of see like, okay, what are the steps you actually need to take to fix this? Um, but that's level one. And that's the most important step, how every engagement would start to make sure where the foundation is there. Uh, then the next focus is cash flow and that's kind of what I mentioned before if there's unfortunately a lot of businesses that don't know exactly how much cash they have at a certain point in time they don't know if they can pay their bills for the next month or their employees or whether they have enough cash to to make a new investment or maybe if a machine or tractor breaks down they don't know if they have enough cash to to fix them and and sort of like this is really uh, helping them understand when the money is coming in, how it's coming in, and also how it's going out. And so here I have different uh, Excel models for and a template to sort of very quickly and easily pull in all the information and see like, okay, how is cash flow running through this business, and are there any leaks that we can plug to make sure we're actually starting to build more of a cash cash basis. Uh, and then when that's fixed then I like to go to a cost focus. And this is uh, especially prevalent in, in agriculture, where unfortunately you can't very easily make more money. Because if you want to expand, if you want, it, it all requires a large investment, maybe more yeah. land or another building, or you need to just buy your, your neighbor farm. Uh, and so it's, it's it's very difficult to control the price you get or make more money. And that's why it's on the short term, perspective it's really about making sure the cost side is is taken care of so here i calculate the cost of production uh, which is something that's unfortunately also not done enough yet in my opinion for any type of of business to really sort of know like okay how much is it costing me to to produce this or deliver this and then just having that information can give so much clarity when you need to make decisions so should i continue with this product line or or if you're selling on the on the markets like now the price has dropped am i am i now uh, operating at a loss and so that's the the third level is really making sure the, the cost side is is done and i think there's a lot a lot to be gained just from from doing that both in learning how your business really works and like where you're putting your time and how much is costing you uh, how much is this costing you uh, and just to to help your decision making and Maybe I can take a little break there if there's any, if if you think it's interesting to dig a little bit deeper in anything, because that's really the first three levels are really about sort of like making sure the processes and the finances are covered. And then the next three levels are really more the CFO approach where you're looking forward.
0: Fantastic. I mean, one thing I'd like to go straight in on is definitely that earlier point you made about uh, bookkeeping being, or, Perhaps the way the bookkeeping is done, being a bottleneck um, for a business. Can you just elaborate a bit more on that?
1: Yeah. So this is this is something that in all honesty surprised me a little bit because I don't have a a bookkeeping background myself. And so this is really something that I I now started to look into like a couple of months ago when I, I really started to prepare for to launch my own business. And in my mind, this wasn't something that really was a problem as an outsider to most businesses where i just expected this to be done and like everyone records their transactions and everyone runs their accounts and then then the real problem is like knowing what to do with this information but now that i'm i'm visiting a lot of farms i'm speaking with them i'm, I'm doing these health checks i'm really seeing like wow there is a lot <laughs> that, that can be gained by some time, it's just hiring a bookkeeper because i think especially in agriculture we often have someone from the family doing the bookkeeping. And I'm, I'm not trying to attack anyone here saying that they're not doing their job well, because like, I know how difficult this is. And like, there are always these nuances that are very tricky to deal with. Um, but often what I see is like, if you don't track all your transactions right, you might think like, oh, I can do this later. Or if you only want to do this once a year, like I can come back and, and fix this later. Or, if I ever need it, I can do it. or or maybe one thing I heard was like, oh, this is all in the past anyway, so I don't really need to track it. Okay. Uh, but then what you get is like maybe if you ever want to sell your business, there's no good information. If you ever want to get a bank loan, there's no good information. And even if you just want to calculate your cost of production, if you don't know what you've like uh, what you're spending money on, if you're not taking the time to track this, that that will just you won't have any information to to make any decisions from. Uh, and there are, there are just some, some easy fixes that I'm now suggesting usually that, that can help. And one of them uh, is the is the chart of accounts. And I think that's for, for most people, myself, including before I started looking into this, was a completely unfamiliar term. And I'd never, never really heard of it. But this is, in a way, how your bookkeeping system classifies all of your accounts, or the sort of the different buckets. So for instance, uh, revenue from crops would be a separate item in your chart of accounts and energy costs would be a separate item and, and loan payments. So everything that you would like to, all of the single transactions that you would like to group together would be in that chart of accounts. And so the, the issue what I'm I'm now seeing is that uh, because a lot of the bookkeeping systems, they give a default or just a standard chart of accounts. And most just accept this then they start using this and just sort of try and group transactions that aren't really uh for, for instance if you have a specific bill for your gas but maybe that's just all grouped together in operating cost or maybe yeah. it's or even just in in just a wider energy cost instead of a separate gas expense uh, and so if you don't have this set up well to cover all of the important parts of your business, even if you're very diligent with inputting all your transactions, you still won't be able to get any meaningful information out of this because it's not organized in the right way. And so that's why that's just one example where a chart of account is very important. Uh, maybe one more to just touch on before we move on from that is, is the bank reconciliation. Uh, and this is, I think, for for most SMB owners, <laughs> a, a quite a, a word. Uh, that that brings some nightmares because uh, <laughs> it, is, it is a very tricky thing to do because it feels a little bit useless because you're just reconciling things that have already happened uh, or maybe take one step back to quickly explain what this bank reconciliation is, is that you have your bank account where if you just buy new supplies, make any payments or you get any money, it just comes in your bank account as your bank statement. Uh, but this is also connected to your bookkeeping. Uh, and so you would like these balances to match and make sure that all the transactions are correctly inputted. And so this reconciliation is just something you should do once a month and just run through your bank statement and make sure, okay, are all these amounts inputted correctly? Yeah. Are they-
0: I'm just going to jump in on that and say, right and say, how annoying it is when you do that. And there's like 50 quid that is missing somewhere. It is most infuriating thing
1: exactly and i think that touches on a a a wider issue with finance as well that like you can watch a youtube video on how to do bank reconciliation and everything works perfectly but then when you have to do it then you think okay i'm now i'm now going to do this for my own business and then all of a sudden (laughs) 50 pound or or something is always different and so it is a bit of a a bit of a hassle uh, but I'll just give one example why this is so important. And this was from a, a company, a work and this is a larger company. Uh, and they were very diligent with the bookkeeping, but they never did any reconciliation. So it was just not something they, they saw the value in. Uh, and then they had this unfortunate situation, uh, and they ended up at the distressed debt department of the bank. And the bank launched like a whole investigation and they hired the diligence party to really dig through all the transactions and the books. And what they found out was that there was one large grant that the business had received, but it was accidentally just inputted as an expense. in oh, the no. account. And so the accounts the company had been sending to the bank just had this b- quite a large mismatch. And so it actually looked like they had lost money or they had paid a large expense what was actually Ah. everyone was just sitting in their bank account and so in the report from the due diligence party it it just said like please do bank reconciliations because this (laughs) would have been like you would have spotted this immediately and and likely this whole whole situation the situation with the the distress that was would not have been avoided because there were some other issues going on but this was another Point that made it look extra bad, and they lost some of their reputation with the bank, and they became under mm-hmm. the more scrutiny. and And so, it's like it's it's these small things that can really add up. And if you ever again want to sell your business, or if you want to to do some calculations, and and if you're not working with correct information, you'll just hurt yourself, and it become can become very very expensive.
0: Rural Business Focus is brought to you from Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialize in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organizations and communities like you to tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be. Getting your message out there and networking with leaders in your niche. RuralPod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast, but you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. Just, just broadening this out, and, and you've named Certainly, uh, some of the key benefits there on the, um, I suppose on the shop floor uh, size. Let's say the basic good practice that we should all be doing well. But let's take that to another level. And in terms mm. of actually, I suppose the sense of understanding your numbers. What are the benefits of that, and and why it's so important to know that? I'm talking in a broad level here.
1: Yeah, the number one reason, and I'm going to to quote here a statistic that's been overused in the financial advisor community. But that is that countless of studies, they keep finding that the number one reason that businesses go bankrupt or they fail is just a poor management of their cash flow. So all the examples I mentioned before, not knowing if you have any money to pay your bills and and all of these these things I mentioned. And so that's really, in my opinion, like the number one reason to know your numbers so that you actually know if a machine breaks will you go out of business. Or if a supplier is not going to pay you this month, will you go out of business? And it really comes down to sort of a scenario analysis or sensitivity testing. And so if you know your numbers, you can adapt so much quicker to anything that happens. If if with with Russia and Ukraine, if all the, the commodity prices could change, like if you know your numbers, you can at least sort of see for yourself okay if energy prices stay elevated like this for for four more months what will happen do I need to make any immediate changes but if you you never look at your numbers and you're sort of just working in the business all the time you you, you'll in a way become a a victim to to the uncertainty that's out there and so like Mm. just knowing your numbers is not going to change any of these these aspects like the volatile markets and and like there will always be uncertainty. But it's like if you know your numbers, you can just at least know how to adapt to things and you can make sure that you're actually moving forward and not just doing the same sort of same thing every day and like because numbers are just the way to track your progress,
0: yeah, and and part of this isn't it? It's just it's putting. Putting that model in place in the beginning. So if you have a good forecast model, if if you have just have, a, if you're just looking at cash flow forecasting, for example, and I'm quite sad like this because I actually quite I quite enjoy sort forecasting 12 months ahead, 24 months ahead, sort of mm-hmm. doing different situation, different situations. If I if mm-hmm. if this if this client comes in, if I lose this client, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, which is all about sort of balancing that risk. But mm-hmm. in terms of how much work there is in um in putting those models together. Obviously, you can have you can get someone like yourself um to put all this together. Um, but if you were to do it yourself, and there are obviously caveats with that that make sure you actually understand what you're doing. I mean, me with my my very basic financial knowledge, I can I can go to a certain extent. But if you want to go to that next level um, to understand your numbers on, on that on that biggest, bigger stage, what are those kinds of things that you'll then be doing like beyond a basic cash flow forecast?
1: Uh, maybe this is this is good to continue with the sort of the the levels I was describing yeah, because that like kind of that answers that exact question. So, I need after you, as you described here, when you have sort of the basics done and you are doing sort of your cash flow, you kind of have that under control. Then, I need my my fourth step is really focused on strategy, and so one big part of this is setting KPIs. And the other element of this is more finding like a sort of a business model. So I personally use the, the, the Amazon business flywheel, which I, I talk about a little bit more more later in your final question, maybe. Okay. Uh, but it's like it's sort of finding a way to sort of build momentum. And so given the numbers you have and given the, the seasonality of your business, like what can you actually do to drive the business forward and how to sort of all of the things that you're doing. Already, how can you make sure this is connected in a way that you're building momentum and not just, for instance, open, like just doing the same thing, just every year, same harvest, same same routine, and never really going forward. So it's really saying like, okay, if we have cash flow, can we maybe invest this in real estate or can we buy another farm? And so it's really that strategic side of like, okay, now the cash flow is under control. What can we do to build momentum and drive this forward? and then the KPIs, which are the key performance indicators, this is really how you track this. Because what you will find is when you start to pay attention to your numbers, you're quickly going to get overwhelmed (laughs) because there's so much information. And if you were to look at your financial statements every month, there's, there's just so much going on. And so KPIs are sort of the way to distill all of this in maybe like five or 10 key things that you're tracking that measures your progress. And so this is very specific on a case-by-case basis. This could be as simple as your your bank balance or your revenue, but it could also be your yield per acre or your depreciation per acre if if you rely heavily on fixed assets. And so it's sort of you trying to distill the most important things about your business into a handful of, of metrics. And so in a way to answer that question, uh, the next step to go might be actually to simplify everything. And so <laughs> you can actually keep keep this up. And so it stays manageable and you can maintain tracking this. Because that's really the the tricky thing about finance and why I want to do this on a fractional or part-time basis is because there is no point in in spending in a full weekend or an entire week to dig through your numbers, set everything up. If then afterwards, you're going to stop it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you would just know your one time, one point in time, you would know where you stand and how your business is doing. And then next week, everything is different. So that's why you want to find a process that is maintainable. So you keep keep this up throughout the year. And that's where someone like me can come in handy where it's like, you know, even during the harvesting season or when, you're, when you have your busy season, whatever that is, like you still need to keep track of this and probably even more so during the busy season when your costs are likely higher when you might need to pay overtime you you still need someone to sort of run even your a simplistic model and just see like okay are we still on track are we, do we have enough cash do we need to worry for anything and so that's really where it's it's this consistency that's the key here if you want to take it to the next level
0: another side of this which uh, I, I know is not what you not what you're set out to do but I think it's actually a benefit of this as well is just the sheer accountability um of, of having of having someone almost on your finance team um ensuring that you are looking at these things doing these things as well it's I, I think it's I'm a big believer in having someone there to make you accountable as well
1: yeah, and that, and that's that's interesting that you say that because the client I'm working with now, they 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 literally said the same thing. Where it's, he framed it in a way that he he's, he struggles a little bit with limiting beliefs. Like they've built a good business, but he almost feels like it's like he can't believe that they've built it, and it feels like oh, they could never make more money or take us <laughs> to the next level or hire more people because like you know who who are they to to do that? And and so that's where. Where I also really try to to come in and just be like, hey, we can take this to the next level. Like you have the the resources available. I mean, if we make a good plan, you, you can do this. And and so yeah, it's like that accountability, but also the the belief system that's often uh that's another angle to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it so often comes down to mindset. You could get them to listen to this podcast, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> um let's just go back to forecasting. Um, yep. for that and, and this could depend on what you're forecasting I suppose but how far ahead and again this is going to be a case by case in many cases as well but how far ahead do you think it's useful to forecast and how far ahead is it possible to forecast as well I suppose with hmm. lot businesses
1: yeah that's a it's a good question so I like to always maintain two different models one is sort of the standard in the Fractional CFO space or like is to run a business is the 13-week cash flow model. And so this is probably much shorter than most expect when you look at these models from a couple of years long. But it's actually found like 13 weeks, that is usually a good amount of time that where you can actually have some predictability on your cash flow. And so if you you can sort of predict like when what bills are coming up, if you need to replace your machinery, uh and like if you go longer than that, you already start to lose the this the specificity and and the actual insights to make day to day decisions. Uh, but then of course you also want it. You think bigger, and so that's why I think at least the one year, just a twelve month forecast is is very useful to have because it's sort of sets a nice targets to to work towards. And of course because it covers all four seasons, uh, that's usually how how you at least capture the the full production cycle of an agricultural business, uh, where, for instance, in tulips, like my family, our production cycles are slightly longer than 12 months, actually, and we only have revenue coming in, in in four months of the year. And so doing a 13-week model for them isn't very useful because you just have <laughs> wheat where nothing is, is happening in a, in a way, like there's no revenue, it's just some cost. Uh, and then only four months where everything's happening. And so that's why you're trying to adjust it for that. Uh, and so that's how I would say, like, okay, at first you have a shorter model to really make your day-to-day decisions, then you have your one-year slash one operating cycle model to sort of see your and like how every year you can make sure you're improving and you can track like what is the the whole the whole process of delivering and growing my product. And then I would say there's another type of model, and that is almost more for either just long-term thinking for yourself or if this is to external parties, and this should be the length of the financial products you're using. So from when I was in the bank, if we, for instance, had a, a company that wanted a, a three-year product, we had to do at least a three-year forecast. Uh, now, if you take a 30-year loan, you don't necessarily need to do a 30-year forecast, then we usually kept it at either five or 10 years, depending on uh, how volatile the business was and how far we felt like we could sort of predict it. But so that's that's what I say was the other the other model that's that's usual to useful to, to think about. And it's sort of like if you have something you need to repay, you want to forecast that entire cycle. So if you're building a new new uh if you're looking to to build a new barn and that may might take three years to become fully operational, then you might have a few more years to repay the loan. Maybe you want to do it let's say seven years and so you capture that full full cycle of building out and then starting to repay it until it becomes more stable and integrates with the business uh, and so yeah again case-by-case case basis but different different uh, approaches for different problems
0: before we move towards the final questions are there any other general sort of points to listeners that, that you'd like to to make in, in terms of general I suppose uh, financial planning analysis
1: yeah I think uh, one thing that that might be used to share comes from my time as a credit analyst uh, and that's sort of how we at the bank used to look at a business uh, and again this is this is quite a nice simplified framework but it really helps to think about what the bank wants to see from you and like even like a general risk management framework in a way. So. If if you have uh, any listeners that might have their own business or are thinking about starting one, they can sort of think about how are they meeting these these criteria. And so this model is the five C's of credit. So I'm not sure if you've already had this on the...
0: No, no, this is, no, this is the first.
1: So yeah, this is uh, what pretty much every bank uses. They might not use it with these exact terms, but they look at all of these components. And so the, the first C is character. And so this really looks at you, the business owner, what is your character like? Uh, this goes a little bit more cynical when it comes about like your okay, what's your credit history? And so, like, are you are you a good guy that will <laughs> that is likely to to work hard to repay this loan? Uh, but yeah, what's your character? Do you have have what it takes to run this business? Then the second C is capacity. And this is, this goes more towards the business, and this looks at the capacity to repay the loan. So any of the new interest payments that come on, any of the, the principal payments you have to repay, does the business uh, have enough cash flow? Does it generate enough cash to repay these new new expenses that, that will come up? And also, like, how much debt does the business already have? So this is very important how the bank looks at it. Third one is called capital. And this is more the skin in the game. So if you're building anything new, how much money are you putting in yourself uh, or even just in your own business, how much of your own uh, money or equity is in the business because the bank would not want to be the only one financing your business or your project. So that's that's the third point to really to highlight when you speak with the banks like, okay, hey, I'm putting in 20% myself. It's, it's like a down payment on your mortgage. So that, that's very important for the banks. Uh, the fourth one is like a backup, so this is the collateral. So again, uh, this is something where rural businesses often benefit in 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 some way compared to more the technology businesses or now all these these new software businesses or AI businesses. And uh, so this is really the tangible assets that you can promise to the bank that hey, if something goes wrong, like you have this to 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 take. Uh, and so this is really a last resort. The bank. Would not like to take any collateral because it just has so many extra costs associated. Exactly. With it. Uh, but that if you have, if you own the land, if you own the machines, that that will help you get uh, a loan. And then the last C is is the conditions. So this is really the the rate you're getting, the the, the covenants or the rules the bank is putting on, and also the length of the loan. Uh, and so what I think is is useful about these five Cs is that they really, while they're quite broad. They do cover all the different elements what a bank would look would look at. And in a way, this is also the components of risk in a business. So I think it's quite useful for any business owner to just take a couple minutes and think about all of these things where it's like, oh, you know what is my capacity to to repay either my current loans or any loans I might want to take on? Or like well, okay do i have a lot of collateral do i own assets or am i quite you know but what what actually do i do i have that i could put up as collateral uh and just like am i putting enough skin in the game like it's it's unfair to to assume that somebody just wants to to finance <laughs> your your plans uh, as so i think that's that's quite a useful framework and especially when you're speaking with your relationship manager when you actually get to the point when you're working with a bank uh, if you can be proactive and name these, these terms, that just sort of like, it's a, it kind of goes hand in hand with the first point, like your character, if you show that you know how the bank thinks, if you can show that you you have what it takes and and that you're on the same page with them and you want to do this together, I think that will will greatly help you in your process of getting a loan as well.
0: Oh, that's really well explained, Jerry. Thank you so much for that. And that's um. Knows. Oh gosh, there's so much in this episode that, that, that is super interesting. So um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. That's all I that can say, great. but I'm not going to let you go yet. I'm going to ask you uh, the final question I ask everyone. And this is more about, I suppose you and maybe your business, you personally, it's uh, what do you do so that you keep focused on your goals? These could be personal or professional goals.
1: Yeah. And so I'm I'm going to to put in another model. Uh, oh, okay. I what I I, I, I am a, a bit addicted to to <laughs> <laughs> trying to simplify everything. Uh, but this is what I mentioned before the, the Amazon business flywheel. Uh, as I I think I'm I'm setting this up now with my client as well, and and they they love it, and I'm I love it, uh, and I think it's, it's it's extremely useful for anyone to make sure they stay focused on their goals. And so what this this flywheel is. It's it's almost like a a a normal process document where you just describe like okay what am I doing in my business and sort of like what are the important steps. It it helps you frame this in a way to actually think not about just like oh what is everything I'm doing because you know there's probably a lot of of waste in what we're doing and so to your question like there's a lot of of stuff that's maybe unproductive that we're still doing and so in this flywheel it is. So it's a little bit hard to describe this on a podcast but I'll, I'll do my best okay it goes in a circle and so how amazon has it is that their key focus is customer experience and so everything they do and like if they don't know how to focus like okay can we improve customer experience because that is the number one driver for the business but then how this turns into a flywheel is where they take this customer experience and they say if we make sure the customer experience is great We will get more traffic to the business. So we will get more users. If we have more users, we will attract more sellers because every business would want to sell on our platform. If we have more sellers, there are more products. There's a greater selection. And so if there's a greater selection, that is, again, good for the customer experience. And so as you can see this starts to to fly upwards in a way. And so then everything they're doing is not just oh we're adding more products and like you're doing the same thing it's like it's always flying upwards and so I, I set this up for myself uh, and I'm happy to share it here so for me it's how I'm making sure I'm, I'm productive and, and doing the right things is to first make sure I always over deliver and so again a little plug for myself but like that's if I don't know what to do during the day I'm just thinking okay what can I do for my client so I can over deliver because I believe that this would result in good reviews of my business and get the word of mouth going. And that also gives me better content to write about on social media, which is something I'm I'm trying to grow as well. And so like, if I do good work, if people are happy, if I have interesting experiences, I can put it on social media, which will help others. And so it will grow my social media account. If I have a lot of social media uh, followers, this will feed into my my sales funnel, in a way, or like how we came to this this uh, podcast episode, it comes from Sweet. social media, and so that sort of feeds into my my funnel. And so, if I have a very good funnel, this again ha- gives me more clients to over deliver to. And then, from a, a business perspective, if I keep doing this, I will be able to become one more efficient, but also yeah. increase my prices and work on on bigger with bigger clients and so that's how my flywheel (laughs) flies upwards and so if i'm have if i'm thinking about things like oh should i do this or that like what what should i prioritize today i can now just quickly pull up my flywheel and sort of see like okay does this let me over deliver or is this interesting content or is my funnel optimized and so it just helped me in a way to to figure out what is really important Uh, and so every business is completely unique Uh, For my client, now they're a a small-scale salad grower. And so for them, it's really quality is the key focus. But for my family, it's more efficiency. And so I see everyone has a very different flywheel. But if you take the time to think about this, then you can actually start to prioritize what is the work that makes sure this momentum is driving me forward. And so, yeah, that's just another funny business model that I I really like. Uh, Because, yeah, it's sometimes they're it's uh it can feel just like uh i don't know, get the word this is like feeling like you're productive in a way while it's not yeah. really but with this this is one that i actually feel like no this is this is worth worth the time to set up uh and so yeah that's that's how i keep focused
0: fantastic and in nearly a year of doing this podcast that is that is generous that's one of my favorites so far um <laughs> yeah there's, there's 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 so much in that and i i hope that um I hope that a lot of listeners will, will actually do that for themselves because, like you say, it can be adaptable in, in a lot of different ways, but just taking that basic premise. Uh, yeah. f- final question, possibly the most important one for you. Uh, how do listeners follow you um, on social media, get in touch with you, find out more about Perennial CFO?
1: Yeah, thank you. So, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm excellent on social media, I'm mainly on Twitter. Uh, just at Joey DeWitt underscore. I also am on LinkedIn, just Joey DeWitt, Uh Or you can send me an email to joey at perennialcfo dot com. Uh, or for the last one, my website is just perennialcfo.com. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, like I say, lots in today's episode. Um, listeners might have to scroll back uh, to, to 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 see certain bits. Finally, that's that's when that's when that's when all these time codes come in. I spent. Ages each week going through and doing all the time codes. But today, I think that's going to be particularly useful. So listeners, if there is a particular section that you want to go back to, check out the time codes in the show notes. Uh, That's it for today. Um, Huge thanks to my guest today, Joey DeVitt. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, As usual, I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Contact us on Twitter at BF underscore pod or on Instagram at rural witness focus. Um, check out the show notes for more information. Uh, next time, um, we're talking about the benefits of mentoring, and I'll be joined by a mentor and a mentee, uh, Millie Fife, who's been on the show several times before, and her mentor, Claire Fahy. Uh, For now, though, I'll leave you in the way that I leave you every episode. Try to do one thing this week that helps you progress and one thing that helps someone else. Keep focused and I will see you next time.